0: Well, hey, everyone, welcome to Eaglebrook Church. Welcome to those of you joining us online or if you're at one of our campuses. We're so glad you're with us. My name's John Alexander. one of the pastors here, and let me just acknowledge what I'm sure you're all excited about. Major League Baseball opening day is this week. Come on, hope is in the air. It's the twins' year, right? Right, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, As excited as I am for baseball, I'm even more excited that Easter services begin on Thursday here at Eaglebrook church, our creative and worship teams are dialed in. I saw parts of the service that they were rehearsing for this last week, and Bob's message is going to be a home run. So make plans to join us. It's not too late to invite someone as well. Hey, one final note before we get started here. Last weekend, I know we updated you with the final total from the Heaven on Earth Fund, the money that you so generously gave so that we could just give it away to one of our 12 local and global partner organizations. Now, this fund has been closed for a few weeks, and we had a God-sized goal of $1 million, and despite difficult circumstances, Jason um, announced that total as $949,000 last weekend. However, a sixth-grade girl had uh, collected all of her spare change up to, I think it was $171 worth, and she wanted to donate it, so we could hardly say no to her and then another person approached us and wanted to make up the difference, okay? So I'm excited to announce, here we are, our final, final total, $1,007,224.34. Amazing. Thank you for your generosity. We're just gonna give that all away, but listen to me, the Heaven on Earth Fund is closed. No more, okay? We're not gonna take any more. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, when you give to the mission of this church, we're always supporting these organizations, and so just want you to know that. Uh, Hey, we're in the final week of a series called Start Here. We just kept asking, if you were to have a conversation with someone who knew very little about the Christian faith, where would you start? And for the last three weeks, we've talked about some of these essentials to the Christian faith. We talked about sin, grace, and faith. I remember the first time I understood sin, I was in third grade in a church program called Awana. One of the leaders asked me if I had ever sinned, and I remember thinking, is he going to tell my parents or my principal if I admit to sinning? And I remember like it was yesterday, and even though I was terrified to answer, I soon came to realize that admitting sin was essential to forming a relationship with God. And then in sixth grade, I really understood for the first time that all of those sins had been forgiven because of Jesus. I experienced the grace of God, and because of that grace, I put my faith in him and made a decision to follow Jesus. That faith led me pretty consistently throughout my school years. But right around the time college began, I remember thinking, is this all there is? I mean, it wouldn't be the last time, but it was right then that that I felt spiritually stuck for the very first time. And I wonder today if maybe some of you have felt spiritually stuck at times as well because maybe you've confessed your sins, you've received God's grace, you put your faith in him, there's a check mark next to salvation, but for whatever reason, you find yourself wondering, is this all there is? Well, according to Paul, a guy who wrote a lot of our New Testament, who wrestled with this question, maybe as much as anyone in history, according to him, there's more. Because he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you might be saved from your sins because of that grace, because you put your faith in Christ, there is a check mark next to salvation, but but according to Paul, that might just be the start. See, there's still something to to work out. He talks about other points. The Bible refers to how we are to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self control. We're to grow in knowledge and in truth. At other points, Paul challenges people to stop being such spiritual babies and instead grow up to become more like Jesus. See, there's a clear biblical mandate that growth is an expectation. It's not an option or a suggestion. God doesn't want us to stop at sin, grace, and faith. As incredible of truths as those are, he doesn't want us to stop there and become spiritually stuck. See, God wants us to grow in all areas of life and faith. The problem is growing Growing's not easy. Now, by nature, I'm an introvert. 10 times out of 10, I prefer to be by myself or with my family at home, playing a game, watching a movie, reading a book. I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy people, most people, but my, my instincts are to just be by myself. So for the last several years, I've been trying to grow in my relationships with friends. So when my friend Marty, called me plus Dave, Kev, and Aaron up to attend a Foo Fighters concert in Des Moines, Iowa last October, there are dozens of reasons why I wanted to say no. I don't like driving far. I don't like being gone places overnight without my family. I don't like concerts, and I don't like Iowa. So all those (laughs) things combined. But I just thought, you know, this is a good opportunity for, for me to grow in my relationships with these guys. Now if you can, picture this scene Five dads, leaving our wives and our combined 13 kids in the dust back in Minnesota, driving down 35 to Iowa in a blue Chrysler Town & Country minivan. (laughs) The epitome of hip and cool. (laughs) Well, once we arrived, we dropped our bags off at the single room we had reserved at the Holiday Inn Express (laughs) and headed off to grab dinner. Before the concert. I mean, at this point, I'm so far out of my comfort zone. But I thought, whatever, I'm doing fine. I will make it. So we drove around, looked for places to eat, and eventually landed on Blaze Pizza, this buffet line style of ordering pizza, kind of like the Chipotle uh, for pizza. Important detail later. But while in line, I don't remember much, but my friends said that I suddenly wandered out of line before I had paid after I had ordered. Feeling faint, I stumbled over to a table where Kev noticed, held me up for a second before I passed out right there in the middle of the restaurant. Kev yelled for help. Marty called 911, and the whole restaurant just froze. It's actually pretty terrifying for those guys, but after about a minute or so, I woke up. The medics came, checked me out, asked if I wanted to take an ambulance. I asked them how much it would cost. And they said $2,000, so I said, no thanks. And I and my friends take me to the ER instead. And after running some tests there, they sent me home healthy and happy. Just a few hours later, here's me heading home with my friends. Now, after things had calmed down, they eventually called my wife, Emily, to tell her what had happened. And her first, resp- her first response was that John probably passed out because he doesn't like buffets. Like, who, do, who does she think I am? I just passed out in the middle of a restaurant because I'm standing in line in Pizza. Pe- but anyways, for, now for those of you keeping score at home, we never made it to the concert. We just, we didn't make it. And for those of you worried about my health, thank you for that. I've had lots of medical tests done, truly, on my brain and my heart to figure out what could have possibly happened. And the only thing they've concluded is that I have something called dad of two kids trying to be cool by going to a concert he didn't want to go to and a state he didn't want to be in. So he just passed out from the sheer exhaustion of it all. There's no known cure, but apparently I'll be fine. (laughs) Here's the point. I said yes to something for the sake of growth, to get out of my shell and grow. I didn't make it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's kind of a silly example, I get it, but it got me to thinking of, of all the ways that I've struggled to grow in life. You know, I know that God wants me to grow in my patience. I do pretty well for a while, but then I blow up at my kids over their whininess or smash Play-Doh in the carpet. I try to grow in love, but I do, I occasionally brush people off without giving them the time of day. I wanna grow in my prayer life, but some mornings I get distracted after 10 seconds. I wanna grow in my marriage, but some days I say incredibly hurtful things and I'm slow to apologize. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep struggling with the same things over and over. I want to grow. I want to get better. And what I've learned is that God wants that for me as well, and he wants that for you. I love this quote from Pastor John Ortberg. He says, only God knows your full potential, and he is guiding you toward that best version of yourself all the time. God is more concerned with you reaching your full potential than you are. See, God wants you to grow. And by the way, if you're wondering whose job is spiritual growth, is it it mine or is it God who's supposed to grow in me? Uh, Look what Paul, how he concludes Philippians 2. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it is God who works in you. In other words, it's both. God is going to work in you, but you've gotta put in the work as well. To be clear, when I'm talking about growth, I'm not just talking about spiritual growth, although I believe these principles will apply to all of our areas of of our lives, but when we're healthy spiritually, it affects the core of who we are, so then it affects all the areas of our lives, our relationships, our careers, our mental and, and physical health, all areas, because growth implies that we are moving into a better version of who God created us to be, from unhealthy to healthy, from broken To whole. Here's the problem, though. We don't always know how to push through the challenges of growth. Because over the years, maybe you've wanted to grow in your leadership, parenting or marriage. Maybe you read a book, you saw someone do something inspiring, you heard a message here at church and thought, I want to grow in that way. Maybe you wanted to grow in your generosity overcome that battle you have with anxiety, the struggle with sin, and maybe you still want that, or maybe you find yourself knocked down, laying on the floor, spiritually stuck, and, and you're wondering, is this all there is? Well, wherever you're at, I wanna look at the story of a man who was struggling to literally get up and get going in John chapter five. Now to set the scene, Jesus was in Jerusalem and he passed by an area known as the Sheep Gate near the pool of Bethesda. And all day long, crowds of sick people, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, people unable to get help would lay by this pool. Some would find relief by washing in it. Others believe when stirred at the right time, this pool could actually heal them. Well, as Jesus passed by, he noticed a man who had been ill for 38 years. I mean, imagine 38 years, 13,870 days of just being stuck, not getting any better today than you were the yesterday or the day before that. And some of you might know that feeling all too well. Well, here's how the story concludes. When Jesus saw him, he asked him, would you like to get well? Nah, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Here's what I hope we learn today. God wants you and I to get up and get going. I don't know what might be holding you back. Maybe there's nothing. Maybe you just need a reminder. But by looking at John chapter five, I see four ingredients that will lead to growth. And the first one is this. You have to want it. I mean, notice the the question that, that Jesus asked the man. He said, would you like to get well? And if you're like me, when you see this question, you're like, man, that seems like such a dumb question. The man has been sick for 38 years. But what I'm learning is that not every person wants to get well. Some people don't like change. It requires a lot of hard work. Often you gotta humble yourself and ask for help. Some people would just rather stay right where they are because growing would just be too hard. But Jesus knew that if a person is ever gonna grow, if they're ever going to get well, they've gotta really want it themselves, which is why it's so important to find a reason, a motivation. Why do I want to grow? Well, I thought of a few for me at the um, in that list. It's my family. You know, I want to be a, a better man, a better husband, a better better father. I wanna be in a marriage that's growing. Our marriage is far from perfect, I'm telling you, but we... We don't wanna settle for average, so we work at it. We go on dates where we look each other in the eye and say, what can I do better for you? And then we actually do it. I want my kids to grow up to become generous, loving human beings who follow Jesus someday, and I don't know about your kids, but mine came right out of the chute, just awful, horrible little sinners, and so they don't stand a chance. Unless I become those things, at least give them a better chance, you know? I want my son to grow up and confide in me and trust me the older he gets. I wanna walk my daughter down the aisle someday with tears streaming down her face because she's leaving her dad. (laughs) As I look up at the aisle, at some guy who's gonna take her from me. A lot of conflicting feelings in this moment, sorry. Purpose is another motivation for me. I want to fulfill God's purpose in my life. For me, that's tied closely to the mission of this church. I just want to see people far from God transformed by a relationship with Jesus. And that's not going to happen as well if I'm not growing myself in my own wisdom and leadership and relationship with God. Maybe for you, your purpose is to grow your business so you can help other people. Maybe it's to get a degree so you can provide a better future for those that rely on you. Maybe it's to use your school or workplace to lead others to Christ, whatever it is. You gotta define that purpose. What is God's purpose in my life? It'll motivate you, and finally, God. God is a reason that I want to grow. He saved me. He loves me. He's been so good to me, and I don't deserve it, so I'm just so grateful and I want to become more of who God has created me to be. Those three things motivate me to want to grow. What is it for you? Why do you want to grow? I agree with author Simon Sinek who says this. Very few people, this is true, very few people can clearly articulate why they do what they do. And by why, I mean what is your purpose? What's your cause or belief? Why do you get out of bed every day? Morning. Start with why, and then you'll want it more. Because Jesus is asking you, do you even want to get well? Not everyone does, but those who want it are those who know why they want it. Okay, second ingredient of growth is this. (laughs) You just gotta avoid making excuses. Because after Jesus asked the man if he wants to get well, the man responds, I can't, sir for I have no one to put me into the pool. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. In other words, I may want to get well, but I've got a laundry list of reasons why I can't. Excuse after excuse. You ever do this? Am I the only one who just lays out all the excuses as to why I can't possibly grow? I start to think about some of the most common excuses that we all you know, tend to use first is we're just too busy. I mean, between sports, kids, work, school, who has time, who has time? We're just too tired. I don't know about you, but I'm tired some days. I don't have time to grow. I'm just trying to survive. My parents, maybe they didn't model for us the, the most healthy way to grow, and so we do use our parents sometimes as an excuse. My spouse isn't in this with me. I find this one to be pretty common. One spouse gets fired up to grow in their faith and their relationship with God. The other doesn't. That's just not who I am. You know, I think somewhere along the way, some of us just lock in who we are. And we just think, I'm not someone who does that. I'm not someone who reads the Bible, spends time. I'm not someone who goes to church. Now, who decided that? You did. So be honest with yourself. Have any of these excuses become a barrier to experiencing growth in your life? Some of the biggest regrets in my life are the times that I've let excuses win. Several years ago, my friend Zach Poth planned a uh, wedding weekend at a cattle ranch in Wickenburg, Arizona. One of the activities he had planned for us was to ride a bull, (laughs) like a real bucking bull. Kay? So all my fun leading up to this event, I thought, was he being serious? Are we really going to ride a bull? Well, turns out I kept some cell phone vo- footage from 10 years ago. He wasn't jo- joking. Take a look at some of this footage here of some of my friends riding the bowl. I mean, that's just average people riding a bull. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. That's their first time. My goodness, this is real. <laughs> So he wasn't joking, as you can tell, you know, it's a baby bull, and we're fully armored, but it still bucked and stomped and twerked angrily, just knocking off my friends one by one. Well, guess, what, guess who was one of the two guys who didn't ride the bull? Me. I think I complained about my back that I had recently tweaked, and I told him I wanted to have kids someday, so I just, you know, kind of used that as an excuse, but... But really, I was just afraid. I know it seems kind of trivial, but it's kind of one of the biggest regrets of my, my life in a lot of ways, because I could have stood up here and said, I wrote a bull. <laughs> Pastor Bob, you hunt? I wrote a bull. Big deal. I'm a tough guy. Yeah, I wrote a bull. He still makes fun of me because I didn't ride a bull. <laughs> but when you let excuses win, it will almost always lead to regret. And that's even more true when it comes to deeper spiritual issues. I've talked before, but I struggle with anger and anxiety. And if I'm not putting in the work to grow spiritually, I'm gonna become an angry, anxious 34-year-old man who avoids people and keeps to himself, and I don't wanna become that. I want God to transform my heart and my mind and my soul, so I need to spend time with him. I primarily do that in the mornings before my day gets started. Do I have excuses why I don't want to? Of course, I'm tired. I've got better things to do. My kids are driving me bonkers. But when tension arises at at work or home, if I haven't put in the work to grow in these ways, I'm gonna pay for it with angry outbursts and anxiety-riddled feelings. You may have some ideas of how God wants you to grow, but maybe, maybe you've given him hundreds of excuses and reasons why you can't. So here's my challenge. It's pretty simple. Just avoid making excuses for a season and see what happens. You might be thinking that sounds great. Then what? Well, it leads to the third ingredient of growth. You gotta take a small step. After you avoid making those excuses, take a small step. Because again, after this man gave Jesus all the reasons why he can't possibly grow, Jesus, of course, says, oh, you poor thing. You look tired. Don't do anything. I know you're busy. Can I get you a cup of warm milk in your blankie? No, no, Jesus doesn't say that. That's what I say to my kids. Instead, he said this, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. And remember, this man had been down and out for 30 8 years and suddenly Jesus miraculous healing power combined with this man's single small step to stand up to pick up his mat and to start walking this man was healed and certainly the story is miraculous but it got me to wonder what if during this man's 38 years he had forgotten that growth was also his responsibility he needed to take a small step I love what my friend, Pastor Clay Scroggins says. You'll never passively find what you don't actively pursue. In other words, you can't just passively hope to grow and get well. You've gotta be active and intentional. You've gotta take some steps. And there are some steps that you can take to, to use as a catalyst to grow your faith. They're pretty common for most every follower of Jesus. I wanna list a few of those here. You can use these as a catalyst in your faith. Biblical teaching, if, if you're not sitting under biblical teaching on a regular basis, you're not gonna grow. You're here, you're winning, you're well on your way. If you're watching online, same thing. You gotta have that a part of your life in order to grow. You need private disciplines too because there's another 167 hours during the week and you need to spend time with God in prayer, reading his word. In order to grow, you need a personal ministry In other words, maybe your step is to start serving at church or in the community, and time and time again, we hear from people, when they take this step, their faith just takes off. We see it time and time again. And finally, you need some Christ-following friends, whether it's at work, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe it's just friends you have, maybe it's your small group. You need people who are gonna challenge you to help you grow, to grow in your faith and relationship with God. The people who grow are the people who are doing these things on a consistent basis. They are catalysts to help them grow in their faith. And by the way, sometimes it's worth noting, sometimes growth comes in spikes, but more often than not, growth is slow and steady, barely noticeable. So don't get frustrated if your growth doesn't come all at once. My challenge, to pick one of those areas and take a small step this week. Final ingredient of growth is this, Expect adversity. Because look at the response from people after this man was actually walking. It says, this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Instead of, wow, congrats, amazing, you're actually healed. They said, the, you can't do that, that's forbidden. You can't carry you're mad. Now, why does this happen? There's lots of theological reasons, maybe things we could dive into at another time, but, but primarily it's because there's a principle at work. When you pursue growth, you will face adversity every single time. It might surprise some people, but there are forces at work, both spiritually and naturally, that, that don't want to see you grow. They want you to stay right where you are. So don't be surprised when your friends don't love the fact that you're not willing to go with them until 2 a.m. on a Thursday night to a bar. They might desert you. Expect that your spouse or people in your family may not love your newfound devotion to God. Your kids may not love the godly discipline that you are maintaining for their sake. Your mind probably won't love the fact that you are getting up 30 minutes earlier to read the Bible and spend time with God. When you pursue growth, you will experience adversity. You will more than likely get knocked down. The way to overcome it starts by expecting it. Don't be surprised when adversity comes your way. You know, when I started writing this message and thinking about this message, I immediately thought of my friend Joe. Joe is a guy who I've seen just take step after step to grow in his faith. He has overcome a lot of adversity in his life. He has avoided making excuses, though, and he's taken step after step, and he has found a purpose in life to motivate him to grow. Take a look at his story. I hope you're inspired by it.
1: My name is Joe. I'm 30 years old and I've been a professional photographer for about five years now. My favorite thing about photography is I truly get to show people who they are. You kind of get this window into their lives and you get an opportunity to tell their stories. Personally, I look at it as I'm more of a people person that knows how to operate a camera than like a really artsy photographer guy. Like when I take these off, people are immediately confused. They think this guy's a salesman. And then when they're back on, you know, I'm I'm an artist. Oh, it's perfect, buddy. I grew up in a pretty crazy house. (laughs) I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody who's got a crazier family. I was very lucky to still have Jesus introduced to me when I was a kid, but there was a lot of other things that were happening inside of my household that were going against that. And me being the baby of my family, I just pretty much had slipped through the cracks. I really had this hole inside of me, and I really just wanted to feel good, and for me, that looked like turning to drugs and just grabbing, reaching for all these things to try to like fit in this hole to to make it feel right, you know, and, and obviously nothing nothing was doing the trick. You know, I made some really bad decisions for a time there. And luckily it got to a point where I wanted to really make some concrete changes in my life. One day my roommate asked if I wanted to go to church with him. And I went and it just really opened up a whole new world to me. I'd say for the first time in my life, I was confronted with a, like a spiritual hunger. I really found myself wanting to know more about Jesus, to dig deeper. I had seen a little bit of what he had in store for me and I really wanted to just pull the curtain back on it. And the more and more I discovered, the hungry I got. There were a lot of big changes that happened along the way, but really more than anything, it was a lot of small changes. I had found a mentor and that really changed things. I really had to get in God's word and you know, see what he was saying. I really had to spend time in prayer and going to church every Sunday. It just became an appetizer. It, it wasn't the main course anymore. I definitely realized early on that Things are just amplified with Jesus. Like, you can do so much more. And really, like, without him, you feel like you're an astronaut drifting through space and you've got 30 minutes left on your oxygen, you know? I'm always kind of looking for opportunities for God to really use me where I'm needed most. And about two years ago, I got a phone call out of the blue. This woman said I'm a social worker and this family wants you to come photograph them. Um, she said, before you say yes, I want you to know that they have a six-year-old boy, and his name's is Isaac, um, and he's passing away very quickly. I knew at that moment that that's when God was telling me, like, are you ready to go, because this is it. So I entered this home that was supposed to be filled with grief, but it was the most love I'd ever felt in my entire life, and I start taking family photos. And you can hear Isaac's mother let a a sigh of relief out as the shutter is clicking because that's the last thing that she wanted was family pictures. She just wanted one more picture with her boy. I thought I'd be there for 60 minutes. I was there for about five hours. And then I asked if I could go in and sit with Isaac. And they had laid him down in his room because it had kind of been a long day. So I went in there and I knelt next to his bed and I prayed with Isaac and I wept uncontrollably that day. I don't think I'd ever cried so hard in my entire life, Uh, sitting there holding this six-year-old boy's hands, knowing that he was about to leave this earth. Isaac was the closest thing to Jesus I think I've ever met in a physical form. When I left Isaac's house, I felt like I had this audible conversation with God, like he was sitting in the car next to me and he basically gave me a nudge and said, this is what I made you for. And then the days following after Isaac had passed away, I had called his parents and I said, I'm thinking about starting this nonprofit and doing this for other families all over the country and free of charge and I wanna name it after your son and call it the Isaac Initiative, what do you think? And it was just tears on their ends. God made it clear that this is my purpose in life. Photography was my passion, but this is what he truly intended for. That's my purpose for my life. Since the Isaac Initiative has started, really, my faith has grown exponentially. I mean, he's really been at the center of everything that we've done there. And once I really felt like I was in my groove with my relationship with God, everything changed in life. It was like all the colors were different. It was like a small muscle that I had been training that all of a sudden was just like fit, you know? That little voice that I was hearing for so long, it, it became more audible to me. I don't know, that's pretty amazing to me.
0: Yeah, I love that story. I love what Joe's doing. But Joe isn't perfect. But following Jesus isn't about perfection. I started to learn it's that about it's it's about growing to become more like God intended us to become. And there's gonna be some successes along the way, some failures. But it's about digging deep and it's finding a reason, a motivation to want to grow. It's about dropping those excuses for a while. Maybe you got a step to take, maybe for you. It's just to embrace the adversity that you are experiencing wherever you're at. As you pursue growth, as you take steps, as you find that motivation, God is gonna help you along the way. To close, we're gonna enter into a time of communion across all of our our campuses and we're gonna sing a final song. So I'm gonna invite the communion ushers to come forward at some of the campuses, maybe the baskets uh, at the end of your aisle or maybe it's right in front of you. But this weekend is known as Palm Sunday because it was on this week 2,000 years ago that Jesus entered Jerusalem to fulfill the greatest mission on the planet, to fulfill the mission that he he had been sent to fulfill, to be crucified for the sins of all and pay the penalty we all deserve to show us what real love is looks like and he knew what was going to happen to him when he entered Jerusalem because even later that week he gathered around a table with 12 of his closest friends his 12 disciples and he took some bread he blessed it he gave thanks to God for it he broke it into pieces and he gave it to each one of his disciples and he said take this and eat it for this is my body broken for you do this and remember me even after I'm gone and then he took a cup, he blessed it, he gave thanks to God for He said, this confirms the covenant, the commitment between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of all. Drink this and remember me, even when I'm gone. And now, the church, an act that we've been participating in for over 2,000 years or 2,000 years or so, we remember, especially on this week leading up to Easter, that Jesus died for you. After you take some time to reflect on that truth, reflect on what God wants to do in and through you in this next season, the bands are gonna come on up and you can take the elements when you're ready and they're gonna sing a final song and ask us to sing along at the end.
2: need
3: you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you.
2: I oh, want defense, my righteous lips. Oh God, how I need you.
3: Oh,
2: see, Can I stay? pray together here as we close out our time this morning. Jesus, it's so good again just to be here gathered in this place this morning and as we take a couple minutes here to reflect on what you did for us on the cross as we receive the elements, as we remember that you broke your body, you shed your blood for every one of us here. God, I pray we will be reminded of the relentless love that you have for each one of us. And God, as Easter week approaches this week, I pray that we would all be intentional also just to take time out of our busy days to remember who you are and who we are because of you, Jesus, the hope that we have, the grace and the love that is offered and available to all of us here. God, thank you so much again for your love, and I pray that our roots will continue to go deeper and deeper into you, that we could grow to the people that you created us to be. Thank you for this time that we've had together and we pray all these things, Lord, in your awesome name, amen. All right, you guys, thanks for being here again. We'll see you next weekend.